Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me on this wonderful Thursday to preview one of the games of the decade in the NFL regular season is the one and only Matt Matera, also of PewterReport.com. Matt, we've got a really great matchup to break down. Not necessarily because both these teams are juggernauts. We'll get to that in a little bit, but... Bucks, Bucks probably are, but because of the history between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and uh, the storylines that come with that, uh, including what I believe might be an even more frostier relationship between <laughs> Bruce Arians and Bill Belichick and some of the comments they've exchanged this week. So we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's show, and it's going to be breaking down two of the uh, teams in the NFL that we believe uh well i don't know if the patriots are going to be one of the best they haven't started off uh, that great but we'll, we'll get to it but first i mean hey let's matching matching color shirts let's right? go it's I the mean, second time we've done this unplanned you know. but uh i think we both look great so why I, not keep matching agreed yeah agreed this was definitely completely 100 planned hey today's show is sponsored to you and brought to you by celsius as it always is celsius Powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I've got the blueberry pomegranate. You've got the peach mango green tea. Celsius, I'm telling you, man, if you're looking for an energy drink that changes the game, get yourself some Celsius. No sugar, an unbelievable taste, and tons of different flavors with Celsius. Really, really awesome stuff. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fast protein bars, the tastiest protein bars out there that you'll find anywhere. I'm telling you, I have had a lot of protein bars in my life, Matt. But nothing beats these fast protein bars. The white chocolate cookies and cream and the caramel peanut crunch. Love them both. Uh, can't say enough good things about both of them, to be honest with you. Um, have them still have some white chocolate cookies and cream. Need to get some more caramel peanut crunch. But, yeah, they're they're the way to go if you're looking for good, good protein, 20 grams of protein, one gram of, of sugar. I mean, that's what you're looking for. Uh, when you're getting, when you're looking for a good protein bar and, and fast definitely gives you that. So make sure you check these out. You can actually click the link. This today is the last day. It's the last day to click the link last down in the YouTube description and get 20% off your order of fast protein bars. So go ahead and click that link, get your order in, save a bunch of money and telling you it's the best grab and go. Not going to make a meal. Not, I don't eat lunch a lot of days. Like just <laughs> grab one uh, and have one because they're uh, they're that good and they're good for you too. It's the All great right, balance. It's sorry. I just want to say it's the great balance between the protein that you're getting at the flavor as well too is the huge difference. Right. I think it separates itself from other from other protein bars. Just wanted oh. to throw that in there, please. No, proceed. Completely agree. Completely agree with you. The taste is always what uh, what separates Celsius slash fast. Um, okay, uh, so let's do today's injury report. It just dropped, and so uh, yeah. people are probably interested in that and seeing what the news is. Okay, Giovanni Bernard did not participate. Carlton Davis, full participant again. Jamel Dean was limited again. Chris Godwin, full participant again. Rob Gronkowski also did not participate again today. Steve McClendon got his rest day. Uh, Jaden Mickens was a full participant, so he looks good to go. The return game should yep. be back. Yeah, he and was catching still, Yeah, still no JPP. Right, so uh, more or less the same as, as it was yesterday. Um, obviously, it looks like that JPP isn't going to play. I don't think anyone really expected it to. I think I don't, I don't really expect Giovanni Bernard to play. Just that injury looks mm. so bad. The fact that he hasn't practiced and there were times too. Remember, he got hurt 
uh, right before the season started. And so he missed some practices. But I remember, too, just being out there at practice and a lot of the time where it's open to the media for that portion. It's mostly just special teams things. But Giovanni Bernard would always be out there watching the scene, seeing what's going on. We haven't even seen him outside at all. So it's one thing when you have a guy that's injured and he's at least out there with the rest mm. of the teammates. That hasn't been the case with Giovanni Bernard. So if I had to bet on it, I'd say we don't see Bernard in there at all, which means Keyshawn Vaughn gets a – well, I mean, we'll see. But he, he did get to play uh, last week, but maybe he'll get some snaps at running back. Probably not. Probably just rely on Leonard Fournette and Rojo. Gronk's the big one, though. I mean, as much as this has been – highly publicized as Brady against Belichick. There is the Rob Gronkowski factor. He was obviously there for a long time and built his Hall of Fame career with the Patriots and winning Super Bowls. I'm curious if this was any other team in the NFL, if Gronk would maybe not play this week, heal those ribs. But because it's New England, he's got, he, he has to play in this game. You know, it's, it's everything's on the line here. Yeah, I mean... That would be shocking to me if he doesn't play. I figured they would rest him both these next two days. If he doesn't practice at all tomorrow, maybe we're looking at a situation where he doesn't. But yeah, how much time does he really need to be able to practice? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what he's how he's feeling. Did Arian say anything? Or sorry, did anybody say anything? I know Arians didn't talk today, but nobody probably asked about injuries with Byron Leftwich up there, huh? They knew he wouldn't. He's not going to give nah, away. Any he, <laughs> Doesn't really give away much. So. We'll find out more tomorrow from Bruce Arians about Giovanni Bernard and Jason Pierre-Paul and those guys for sure. But it's so funny to me that we that people have spent all this week talking about this, trying to still conjure up this drama and controversy between Tom Brady and the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick that just isn't there. It's just not there, folks. Yeah, just I let mean, it Brady go. got asked. Brady got asked about it too. He really didn't take the bait at all when it came to. <laughs> I really well, don't think there's bait to take. I think right. he just—I don't know. It's just you, you kind of want to stick it to them a little bit. I think sure, you probably but... did just by winning a Super Bowl with the Bucks. Yeah, I, but I it's like the, the same way, way you like you know you'd, you'd want to beat your brother in a game. You know what I mean? Like more than just a random person. You know, it's just it's that. It's not like any type of animosity between. I don't know. Some people you think big, some people are big spite people. You know, you, I don't you really you really want to get one over on. Uh, but it sounds Brady. like Brady believe more than Belich- I mean like more than he was pushed out I think I don't know it there's lots of conflicting stories out there but yeah. I was gonna say the funny part is Gronkowski's actually the one that retired rather yeah. than keep playing for the Patriots and openly said that it lost its joy for him it lost its fun for him and he's been himself more in Tampa Bay I was just looking at an interview from him last year where he said you know both environments were great for him but he just loves being able to be himself and to be more in a more relaxed environment in Tampa Bay and it'll be around coaches who let him be himself i mean he was point blank and nobody even talks about that to me that's where the actual friction may exist you're not that gronk would ever harbor any resentment toward anyone but he's been the one that's like hey i actually think i might like the way tampa bay does things <laughs> more than i did i enjoyed in new england i don't think anyone the like gronk isn't the first player to really be like hey playing for bill belichick is kind of tough you know you win a lot so obviously everyone enjoys that but it, it's essentially Belichick. It's his way or the highway. He's going to do things uh, a certain way, the Patriot way, as it's been come to know. And there's only a handful of guys that have spent a, a long time in their careers there. And I, I don't think, obviously, Gronk was cut out to to play for a guy like Bill Belichick. But not everyone really enjoys that. So if Gronk wanted to retire, and he obviously did need to take a year off with all the injuries yeah. that he sustained. 
but good for him. He wants to go somewhere else. He wants to enjoy life. He loves sure. Florida. Bucks fans love him. So you know, right. it all worked out. He's not right. the first person that doesn't love playing for Belichick. Right, right. And maybe, and he obviously did love it for a while, I'm sure. But yeah. I think, yeah, it wore on him. And here, I'm going to throw some, here's some personality test stuff out there. I think Gronk is like an Enneagram 7. I don't know if you've ever taken the Enneagram matter, if you're familiar with it at all. So people in the chat, hopefully familiar with the Enneagram. But I think he's a 7. Like, I think he just loves life and he loves positivity and he loves being around those things. Vibrancy yeah. and energy and new experiences. Bruce Arians and, is perfect for that. Yeah, I think it's just a perfect fit for him. So I think he is able to probably be himself more in Tampa Bay, even if being in New England probably was good for him at the beginning of his career. Certainly, where he was, where he was at personally coming out of college, probably worked out perfectly for him. So uh, John Ward says Mike Evans still hasn't drawn a DPI. Would you bet his first one comes this week? I was looking at this Matt before the show. Did you know the Bucks have? I think it's near the bottom of the league. I want to say they're like second or second least amount of first downs gained via penalty this season so they have not benefited from hardly any penalties on offense in other words oh, like near the tom bottom brady, of the tom brady gets oh, all the calls oh <laughs> all, all the pass reviews that's how they won the super bowl that, is, that, is, a bit, that is a bit surprising though because the, the, sure the bucks have benefited from that in the past just because they're so talented on offense with with evans right. and godwin and now antonio brown i think maybe it's just the flip side of it they've they've been committing so many penalties that mm-hmm. you almost forget to call it their way yeah, when they right. just keep uh keep doing all these yeah all these throw- things that have not made bruce arians too happy right yeah you don't want to throw too many flags in one game by the way the bucks are actually second in the league in penalties now i've been saying they're first i forgot to check again after the monday night football game and was monday night yet yeah, cowboys eagles right yes. Is that monday night yeah, yeah. And and the Eagles just jumped way up ahead of everybody. Congratulations so to them. So, yes, congrats <laughs> to the Bucs as well for not being yeah. dead last in that area. They are dead last in some other areas. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, uh, penalties is not one of them. They are second worst in penalties right now. But uh, to answer your question, John, yeah, I bet he, I bet a first one comes this week for somebody, right? For somebody, I think. You know, Evan should have had one last week. I yeah. mean, absolutely should have had one, in my opinion. Thought it was clear. Um, thought watching the, the tape of it, it was even more clear uh, to me as I as I rewatched it. So, uh, yeah, I think one's coming for him probably. And in general, the Bucks have benefited from very few penalties this year, and that tends to come back around. And they've been mm-hmm. crushed. They've been not benefited. You know, they've been hurt by penalties probably as much as any team in the league. And so I think that does tend to come back to the middle usually a little bit. Um, did last year for them anyway. So we'll see. Um, comments between Arians and oh, let me get to this one real quick first. Blaine is Kyle the Trask the backup or third string? Uh, Kyle Trask is the third string quarterback. Yes, Blaine Gabbert is the backup. Uh, comments between Arians and Belichick. I know Belichick claims credit for the Bucks offense, so this will do, this will move us nicely probably into our topics for today in terms of talking about the Bucks offense at least. And let's start there, and then we'll move to the Bucks defensively in this one. Uh, offensively, the Bucks whatever they have kind of permitted themselves to do this season, they have pretty much done. I mean, I'm not, there's been a couple possessions where I felt like the defense really played them well, but for the most part, especially considering they can't really, or don't really run the ball hardly at all. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty remarkable how seamlessly the passing attack has worked this season. There's been zone coverage. There's been man coverage week one. There was more zone in week two against Atlanta uh rams run a ton of zone so more more zone than man so far this season but cowboys plenty of man coverage and it didn't seem to matter so yeah i don't know that i would offer many complaints about the bucks passing attack but in reference to 
this question just in and of itself, Belichick did kind of make some comments that everything Brady does now is what he ran in New England as the offense evolved in New England. Arians came back when he was asked about it and said, and immediately people were like, oh, Belichick's taking a little shot there at Arians. Well, that's not the first time that would have happened, by the way. Like back in January of before the Super Bowl, it was a couple – actually, it was maybe before the second round of the playoffs. I don't remember. But Arians was asked about it, and he said, yeah, New England, they didn't let him coach. I let Tom coach. I let him do his thing. Sometimes I just sit back and watch. And that was kind of a story that went around a little bit. And, you know, I think – Belichick obviously no, you know, at that point he wasn't playing, and so he didn't have any, you know, response to it per se. But I think he, he probably noted it. To, uh, he didn't go to social <laughs> I, media. He went to Snapface and saw yeah. it. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he knew though, like that it happened. I'm sure he was told. And it's not the first time last year that Arians made a comment about how maybe Brady was in a better spot now than where he won six Super Bowls, which is just kind of a dig. You know, Arians definitely likes to to rib a little, and so he lets I, it fly. He lets yeah, it fly, and you know, some sometimes people get ricochet shots from it. That's right. And so Belichick kind of made the statement that, yeah, the, what they run is 100. You know, it's it's Brady's imprint all over it or whatever. And then Aaron's was asked about it later in the day, and Aaron's kind of came back and was like, you know, asked him, you know, he's like, yeah, there's probably a lot of similarities because they picked up our offense, you know, every week. He was like, ask him what game tape they were watching each week. You know, they were always picking up our game tape. And I don't know exactly how he knows that. He's not talking about the Bucks, by the way. I've seen some people get that confused. Arians will sometimes say things expecting everybody to know what he means yeah. when he uses pronouns and things, but we don't always know. <laughs> but I believe he's talking about like at the beginning of like he was an offensive coordinator in Cleveland and then went on to be an offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh at the same time that Brady and Belichick were kind of starting their dynasty. Those time periods like overlapped and Arians offense at the time was thought to be, you know, it was one of the more aggressive in the league. And in 2007, he became the offensive coordinator of the Steelers. And that was where they started to stretch the field more. And it started to be more like Coriel principles, air Coriel, you know, air it out vertical attack principles and the Patriots who had been an Earhart Perkins system and, and still are, you know, to a degree, uh, they started adding some of the vertical elements to their offense when Randy Moss was there and Brady threw, you know, the 55 or 50 touchdowns, whatever it was um, in New England to, with that season with Randy Moss. That was 2007. So there was a lot of like, oh, we're pulling some concepts from here and this is becoming staple parts of our offense. And I'm sure Barron's is borrowed from him. So bottom line is we have an article about it on pewterreport.com. You can read it for yourself, but mm. a little bit of this goes on with everybody. A little bit of stealing concepts. Everybody does it. It's good coaching to do it. You better have your eyes open to what the league's doing and taking some principles. But uh, no question Belichick is is wrong about saying that it's a 100% the offense he ran in New England. There's I could, you could point to several principles just off the top of my head that are Aryan staples. The other, the, the but that's not necessarily surprising. The biggest misconception to me, Matt, is that this offense like completely changed after the bye week or completely changed when Brady arrived in Tampa Bay. And it's just not even remotely true. Like every offense grows and evolves and starts to de-emphasize some things and emphasize other things when teams are, are, are working, if things are working against them or aren't working against other teams. But there was no, like the Bucs are still like Aaron's offense at its core. You know, there's, they've changed a little bit of the way about how they go about things, not for Brady, I think, just because that's the way the league is going with more play action, more motion. You know, I think those things just help everybody. But the idea that the offense had to like fundamentally change for Brady to finally get good. And yet statistically, everything's the same. You know, they still throw like the more vertical balls than anybody. They still, you know, all this stuff's still there. It's just really funny to me that people see it that way. Yeah, that's what Arians always spoke about too. When Brady first got to Tampa, he he was essentially saying it's so much easier to teach one guy our offense versus 
teach the rest of the offense, you know, what Tom Brady has been used to. I'm glad you clarified that it it went all the way back for, you know, Belichick being with the Browns and and everything, everywhere that Arians went. Because when Arians first made his his, uh, comments and was saying, yeah, they, they copied us. It, for a little bit, I was like, wait, what? Like, how could you copy an offense with yeah. Tom Brady when you had Tom Brady first for 20 years and now Tom Brady's on this team? Yeah, he's just talking about his system. Yeah, yeah. yeah they ran very – Like what tape? He, yeah. he didn't have any tape of Brady on the box when, when he right. was playing. Right, um, like, you know, nine eight nine for example, go principle concept. Right. Arians offense is like a staple of it. They scored against Dallas and the touchdown to yes. Antonio Brown on that play. You know, it's like a go-go on the outside and a post in the middle or by the slot. And, you know, that's a staple of his that, that New England has, has run a little bit more mm-hmm. of probably since those times he's referring to. But it's all about emphasis. Like, everybody runs everything, but it's, you know, for right. the Bucs, and, and the, Bucks, the Bucks are always going to go down the field, and it's just yeah. things started clicking more after, after that bye week. It, it, it's what everyone says. It's a yeah. copycat league. Every team mm-hmm. takes a little something once one play or one coordinator becomes an innovator. I mean – <laughs> the the freaking wildcat is still uh, has a what? place in the NFL. Atlanta. Atlanta tried to run it the other day. Yeah, we too. The <laughs> same. The, the wildcat is hot in the NFC South. I mean, you look at Taysom Hill, obviously, and everything mm-hmm. that the Saints run. In 2021, the wildcat still has a place, and that was what it feels like a decade ago when Ronnie Brown and yeah. Ricky Williams and everyone was running that. So was, you know, everyone's taking a little bit of something right, from someone. Right, it's not. Sure. It's it's not verbatim. Right, because if you did that too, when you played that team, you'd be figured out in a second. That was the other thing. Belichick saying that the way they call their protections and their flare control, which is just kind of where you control the the uh, underneath coverage, uh, so they don't get too deep, control them with underneath routes. Um, that was unusual to me. I mean, he must mean conceptually because terminology wise, that was the biggest struggle, right? Terminology wise, Tampa Bay was completely different from New England. So everything Brady knew to do, he just communicating it to everybody else was totally it was like learning another language you know yeah. it was like oh he understood in his mind but now he knows that language and mm-hmm. by the way brady went from last year being one of the bottom ranked quarterbacks against pressure and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year against pressure pro football focus grade adjusted accuracy percentage all of it you know he's touchdowns thrown like you know no turnover worthy plays at all this season let alone against pressure so you know that's that just shows for brady all it is with dealing with pressure is just about his mind you can blitz him all you want He's going to beat you because his mind, and that's what he's showing this season. Now that he actually can communicate what he's supposed to do against pressure, he's just destroying teams when they try to blitz him. Um, I want to go back to Bucks offense, but I don't want to yeah. miss the super chat because I appreciate William Butler, uh, William Butler's you, uh, five dollar uh, contribution here. He says Devin White, we know, has been underwhelming. Why doesn't Todd try to have him coming off the edge like Dallas has uh, Parsons? I think he makes Parsons, Parsons yeah. right? Well, he does have him come off the edge uh, and blitzes and up the A gaps, and he uses them a lot in that way, to be honest. Devin White's not as big as Micah Parsons. He's not as good as, as taking on blocks as Micah Parsons, so he's it's probably never going to be a full-time role for him. Situationally, though, yeah, I'd like to see that, and I'd like to see them get way more aggressive on like third and longs and put like Devin White outside and JPP inside and Vita yeah. Bay inside. They put, they put Levante David on the outside for mm-hmm. you know for a player yeah. or two, so it's certainly possible that – I don't know if he's asking too. If I guess if if he's blitzing off the edge, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's that's what Todd Bowles does. He comes up with creative stuff and puts mm-hmm. Vita Vea in coverage and stuff like that. But Dallas committed to just putting Parsons yeah, yeah, right. out right. on the edge. But they had different 
injury when issues. De- yeah, when like Demarcus that. Lawrence broke his foot, and then yeah, things come out with Randy. The Gregory. Bucks obviously yeah. couldn't do that because then okay, well right. you're they taking away, three, yeah, like you're taking Joe Tryon Tranko off the field. You you have to put Kevin Minter at linebacker. Mm-hmm. There's there's not really a need for it right. in, in that situation. It's more for Devin White. He just needs to get home on these blitzes because he's yeah. getting the opportunities. He's just not. He's right. just not executing. Well, two things I'll say there too. I'd like to see Devin White blitz off the line of scrimmage more often because I think if you it would allow you to bring another defensive back onto the field in coverage. I think, and you, yes. you I would just play with three defensive linemen basically, and, and Devin White, so that he would be the fourth guy, and then you could rotate. You know, Vita, JPP, Shaq Barrett, Joe Tryon, Shrenka, third and long situations. Yeah, you could get those guys on the field together. You know, and you could work things that way. Now, the other tricky part is they're never in third and long because teams are winning first and second down against mm-hmm. them so often. So you got to win the early downs more often to be able to do that. So. That's one thing I'd say. The other thing with Devin White is that, yeah, it's uh, where where is he going to be, learn any pass rush moves, or is he just going to try to run everybody over? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like last year, he could just run through as fast as he could, and a lot of it was unblocked, and he could blow up a running back that wasn't seeing it because he's so physical. But what about a move? Like, do you teach him to use his hands at all? Right, like, use a little swim. Right, like he's just so you know, it's such a bull in a china shop mentality with him. And I just I'm like, man. I've seen him run through the hole and get hit stoned by backs this year. Happened in week one, a bunch happened last week. So yeah, last week, absolutely for sure. Yeah. Gripped him up twice coming through. I'm just like, it doesn't feel like he has any moves once the guy like can meet him and sees him and can meet him and it's body on body kind of there. He has no idea how to get off a block. And it's just, yeah, the development, man, like this was supposed to be the year for him that he just looked like he was putting it all together at the end of last year. And this is a big game for him, man. He's got to get on the right track. I, I've been pretty, vocal about that this week okay let's talk a little bit more about these offenses uh, the bucks offense here statistically i've got my like statistical kind of rundown of things like i do uh every week when we do this uh but first i I definitely want to let people know about spotify green room and the opportunities they have to get involved with more conversations about the bucks about the nfl about the league as a whole about music about culture about other sports uh it's it's an awesome time over at Spotify Green Room. You can download in the App Store. You can get it on Google Play. Follow Pewter Report. You'll get the invitations when Pewter Report goes live, and you can join in the conversations. You can take the mic, and you can give your thoughts on how things are going as well on uh, whatever the topic is. So make sure you uh, download on the Apple on the App Store, uh, Spotify Green Room, or get it on Google Play as well. All right. Uh, so offensively, here's the deal. This is a battle of a, a very good offense statistically that could be blowing out, blowing away the rest of the league for yeah. the most part if they had done a couple little things better in a few games. And then an offense in New England that just really it doesn't have an identity right now, Matt. Nope. Like Mac Jones is he's kind of building something a little bit, maybe. He's not, you know, he's not taking a lot of risks with the ball. He's not uh turning the ball over, maybe at least of his fault. You know, he doesn't he only has four turnover worthy throws this season. So compared to the other rookie quarterbacks, he's doing great in that regard, but it's very conservative. It's kind of safe. It's not totally dissimilar than what they did with Cam Newton last year. It's just not a very threatening offense. There's no explosiveness, big plays. It feels like that's really missing from new England's offense right now. Their biggest play last week was a slant to Kendrick Bourne that it it was the right coverage where he obviously beat his man off the line of scrimmage. And the safety was so far back that he already got like, you know, 15, 20 yards up the field. Mac Jones threw about three deep balls uh, in last week's game against the Saints. Two weren't even close. One mm. probably should have been caught by Nelson Aguilar. So Jones, when I watch him, he's not bad. He's just he's just very bland. Yeah. You know, there, there's not Great there's really not too much to it. 
I will give him credit. I the Saints I felt brought uh, a lot of pressure on Mac Jones, whether it was just with their their rush or mm-hmm. when they were they they blitzed a lot too. They got in his face, especially up the middle, not not even on the edge, just straight up the middle. I thought he did an okay job of of staying within the pocket and still getting throws off. But again, when you have that pressure in your face, there were a lot of inaccurate balls. And I know he had three interceptions, but one went right off the hands of Jonu Smith. Uh, his first one, he got hit. And the last one came in garbage time. You know, there's like 15 seconds left. They, they're down two mm-hmm. touchdowns. So um, he's not – three turnovers aside, he's he's not turning the ball – three interceptions aside, he's not really mm-hmm. turning the ball over a ton. But, yeah, I mean, his biggest play other than that slant was like, you know, a 10, 15-yard pass yeah. that was caught for a first down. He throws the type of pass – and I don't really have anything to quantify this – it just seems like it's kind of an interceptable ball. Like when it's in the air, it's like a, little, it's, a little floaty. Yeah. It's a little floaty out there. And I think it's a great opportunity for a, as we all talked about, a highly struggling secondary and just defense overall. This is a great opportunity for the bucks to get some interceptions, create some turnovers because the ball will be out there yeah. for the secondary to get their hands on. I'm totally torn about how the Bucks should defend this week. Like in coverage, I have, all kinds of feelings about it. Uh, you know, first I was like, I'm sure they will be zone heavy. I, you know, they're acclimating some new people. It's a little bit easier, you know, probably on, you know, whether Sherman plays or not. Um, but on one end, you know, you want to full rookie quarterbacks and run zone blitzes yeah. and things like that. But I still feel like on one end, like this is just, you know, if you could just match up man to man, I mean, we've got Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers out here yeah. for new England. And that's a fine trio. They're okay, you know, but no, none of those guys should be whooping. Definitely, you know, they just shouldn't be. Definitely, the worst receiver group that the that the secondary is facing against in the right, season. Right, right, and they faced <laughs> you know some really good ones to start the year. But yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, this is you know, so you should be able to man up, take some things away, and make Mac Jones hold the ball a little bit. Not that he doesn't know where to go with the ball. I think in those situations, that makes it a little bit easier usually for a quarterback, but. I just feel like when he holds the ball, like it just usually it ends up results in bad things for him. And so he's not a creator, you know, like some of these other quarterbacks. If they hold the ball, it could get ugly for you because you can't cover that long. Lamar and, and Patrick Mahomes and quarterbacks like that. Mac is not really a creator in that way, you know. So I think the Bucs could have success if they went man. And I don't know that they'd struggle a ton against these receivers, but also I know they want to get some pressure and force some mistakes and they feel like they can do a better job of that in zone. That's kind of the whole you know, way that Todd Bowles defense is built. So a mix, you know, maybe we see a mix. I don't know. We'll see uh, either way though. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you said uh, how little they go down the field and how little, you know, explosive plays they have, you know, 4.8 yards per play right now, 27th in the NFL in yards per play. Um, and then where's a 20 plus yard passes in the air for Mac Jones. He's actually thrown 16 of them. That's tied for the sixth most attempts in the league of any quarterback. Uh, I think with, I forget where the minimum, yeah, they're averaging like four, 40 passing attempts per game. I thought that was – and it's like seventh in yeah. the league. I thought that was very high yeah. for a team with a rookie quarterback that predominantly their whole system for years has been running the ball first and, and then mm-hmm. passing. And so you would think they would almost do that double time with with Mac Jones right. at quarterback. But no, they're like seventh in, the, in passing attempts with 40. And they're like – I wrote it down. They're towards – they're like halfway with with uh, rushing attempts as well, too. Very surprising. Yeah. Uh, just and they were leading against the Patriots Jets the whole way, and yeah, they beat the well. Dolphins a one point game. And so it wasn't like it's not what I'm saying. It's not like they've been 
blown out every week. Like, you know, the, the Saints right. game was even like pretty close until the very end there. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that that's part of it. And then the other thing is, you know, I said he, he's attempted 16. So he's actually thrown the ball down the field a decent amount, uh, 20 plus air yard passes, but he's only completed four and there's no drops in there. So, you know, this is uh, even adjusted completion percentage is not looking too great for Mac Jones in terms of being able to hit things down the field. Um, I think the Bucks would really, if you're trying to get this guy uncomfortable, I would just re, I would, you know, that's where I would go, maybe go with some man coverage, press these guys off the line of scrimmage, make Mac Jones make, make tough throws because it's just not something he's done a ton of this season. Uh, I think that could be a really good strategy here if you're Tampa Bay, not the whole game but I wouldn't mind seeing it some of the game. Do I think it's going to happen? I do not, but we'll see. I, I really, I really wanted to, cause I could just see a situation where they play too much zone. The pressure doesn't get home again. Mac Jones gets into a rhythm and looks more confident than he's been all season long. And he moves the, the team down the field. I, I bet too, the way that the Rams just killed the box with certain screen plays. I mean, they went to Higby, what seemed like a thousand times, on simple screenplays, the Bucks got to be ready for that too. Obviously, Bill Belichick's mo is finding, and I'm not saying the Bucks like top weakness is like defending the screen, but Belichick finds a thing that works against the opponent and just keeps running it until you stop it. I mean, the Rams were very successful with it last week. I wouldn't be surprised with the rookie quarterback, with the guy that's not really getting these splash plays as we were just talking about. They're going to rely a lot on the screen game, in my opinion, just to just keep to keep the Bucks defense off guard again for for another week yeah i mean you're right that they could and they there will be some tricks involved there almost always is a mcdaniels he'll have a few gadgety yeah. things that he likes to pull out you mentioned the run game yeah that's what i expected to really be a lot better i mean new england has a very good offensive line that's why i don't think this game's going to be a cakewalk at all um you know i feel like you know controlling the line of scrimmage is something they can do on both sides it's why i don't think they they really will get blown out as well even with their passing game doesn't improve this year I don't think they're going to get blown out of a lot of games. Uh, they're just uh, too too much competence in both lines, I think, for that to happen. But yeah, I mean, they've only given up what six sacks this this season. Um, they've not given up a ton of pressure either. Um, when did they do? Jones is usually kind of inviting it with what he's doing in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, not even utilizing play action hardly more than the Bucks. You know, twenty two percent, twenty fifth in the NFL. Bucks are even lower than that. But uh, you know, the last week's game probably throws that off when you're looking at a small sample size because they were trailing uh, pretty early. But um, yeah, so th- this has not been a you know an offense that's even helping their line out a whole a whole lot, um, other than the fact that they throw the ball fairly quickly. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely something that um, Tampa Bay is going to have to defensively. They're going to have to have plans to get pressure that they haven't had so far because you know the Patriots will be prepared, no questions there, um, in terms of pressure that they'll see. But you have to be able to affect Mac Jones in this pocket. Like you have to be able to get sacks in this game. Like I just think it's so important that they get that part of their defense on track. That is how Todd Bull's defense works. It cannot be a good defense if it doesn't get pressure on quarterbacks and if it doesn't get sacks. It's just not going to happen. The way he plays everything is predicated on that when things went downhill with the jets before when bulls was there you know this right this when they stopped being able to get pressure for early on it was yeah you know how many guys you know i know no edge guys but you had linebackers who could blitz and then you had wilkerson and richardson and then they drafted leonard williams of anarchy they were all called yeah like a lot of good dudes right um into the inside and you could their games worked because of those guys were could move around and now you just if you don't get that, his defense fails, and that's why I think it's the most important part of the game for Tampa Bay 
And I think they're going to come out extremely aggressive. I think they're going to try to scare the living daylights out of Mac Jones. I really do. And we'll see if it works. You know, then they're going to have a really successful game defensively, at least. If it doesn't, then I don't know how much New England scores still. Because right now, New England, if there's an area that they're struggling in, it's the red zone. Yeah. Um, they're <laughs> last in the good. league. <laughs> they last. Dead last. So two for eight this year. I know it's a small sample size, and red zone does tend to be a pretty fluid stat. So don't necessarily stake all your money on that. One, but it's not good so far for them in that area, I think. No, it has not. You th- you would think it would almost be more successful, too, with you know, them running a, a two-tight end system with the with – Smith and Hunter Henry over there, that really hasn't come to fruition too much yet. I think if the Bucks, if they get, if they have another one sack game, I don't want to hit the panic button, but it would be a major problem on this team. It's just oh, with yeah. the talent they have, with the exotic blitz schemes that they come up with, with the amount that they're blitzing with 45% per game, there is no reason they shouldn't be able to get to Mac Jones. If you watch what the Saints did last week, that I thought they really did a good job of just really disrupting things. And mm-hmm. maybe you could say the saints are just, they're not better than the box, but they're executing. Line, I mean, they're de- yeah, yeah. Their defensive line is obviously last week has, has done a lot better. Vita Bay has been great, but can he finish like where has Shaq Barrett gone? This could, I never would have thought that the pass rush would really be an issue, but it's crazy that I mean, last year at this time they were, they had double digit sacks. And this year they have one in one in every single game with the one last week essentially being end of the game wasn't over, but not the right type of situation. I mean, they're last in the league in sacks after three games. I know three games isn't huge, but that's and the amount of that team's throwing on them. And I understand some of these throws are orchestrated run plays essentially. It's, it's a major part, problem, though. man. It's it's yeah. it's almost crazy to believe because there's only so much you can do. It's it's not for a lack of effort from Todd Bowles, as we just said, blitzing all the time. It just comes down to these guys winning their matchups, and they haven't. But if they can't, you know, that there's unless they want to get Simeon Rice, everyone was talking about that because he looks in great shape. There, there's not the equivalent to a Richard Sherman coming to this no. team and helping the pass rush. Mm-mm. This is what they got. This is what they have to go with. And there's no, right. there's, there's nothing else you could do. There's no other avenues that they can get to besides. I mean, I don't think there's, unless they want to trade for Chandler Jones, but financially that really wouldn't work no. or anything like that. So no, this is it. Just it's on them. It's on the players. Yeah. It's, you, it's right. one of those things you got to take a look in the mirror and, and figure it out yourself. And I still do believe that they can, you know, Shaq Barrett's way too mm-hmm. talented. I'm yeah. really excited about Joe Tryon, Shyanka. I thought he had a great first half last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to put the pedal to the metal, you know, but I, I yeah. think we'll see your turnaround in this game. Yeah, they need to. And this is a, a tough matchup. You know, nor- the next three, I'm like, you know, look at my chops if I'm the box. Right. Like, it's like, okay, like, look at these next couple. I mean, you've literally got right now three lines that are in disarray. The Dolphins line is horrendous. Uh, the Eagles line is good, but in d- a little bit of disarray because of injuries now. Um, and then the, the Bears, you know, is the, maybe the worst line in the <laughs> league right Miles now. Miles Garrett. So, right. So you three, Back you know, you, the sack numbers will go up over those three weeks for sure. You couple that with quarterbacks that hold the ball in all three situations right now. And, and, and you've got sack numbers that are definitely going to go up. But there's no question there. But again, this is the measuring stick, right? Can you do it against a team? 
that has a good offensive line that has some good pieces. By the way, I know I, yesterday I said the Patriots had a couple guys on the injury report offensive line-wise. Those guys limited participants again, Trent Brown with a calf, their right tackle, and then Isaiah Wynn, their left tackle. And so both those guys did remain limited today. No changes on the Patriots injury report other than Kyle Duggar. The safety was added with a, a limited participant with a hamstring. Um, so there are li- maybe some plungers. I think guys will play for New England. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll be the key. Can Jack Barrett and, and Joe Trinshranka, too, get home against some of the guys that they've seen? I know Scott Reynolds is pounding the table all the time for Shaq Barrett to switch sides and go to the right yep. side. <laughs> I will say this. like, Yeah, if he, whoever does that, Isaiah Wynn's a really good player. He's a better player than Trent Brown, in my opinion, right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how those matchups go. And I think Trent Brown could be a little more beatable on the other side uh, for New England. So we'll see how those matchups go. But I will say this too, Tampa Bay, 144 pass attempts against them in this season. That's 12 more than any other than the next closest team. Not only that, New England, for example, is the second least passed against team in the league. Only 82 pass attempts, 81 pass attempts against New England this season. To 144 for Tampa Bay. It's like basically defense. Both these defenses have basically played a different sport to this point. <laughs> Patriots have been run on as as much as any defense, almost as much as any defense in the league this season. I think six most rush attempts against the Bucks. Hardly anybody's running against them, fourth least, and and everybody's throwing against them. So so far, totally different strategies deployed by those teams. A lot of this has to do with the fact that the Patriots have faced three. Sorry, I'm going to disrespect Zach Wilson. Below average quarterbacks right now in uh, in Zach Wilson, Tua Tagovailoa, and Jameis Winston. So if that continues, there probably will be one of the least passed against teams because teams are clearly coming out with a strategy of we're not going to put a lot on our quarterback. We're going to try to run the football. But it has more to do, I think, with with how with their own team than New England necessarily. I don't think it's like, oh, we're afraid to pass against New England. I don't think they face anybody who has a dude at quarterback yet, but Bill Belichick pass defense with plenty of veterans in here, you know, JC Jackson, Jonathan Jones, um, Devin McCourty, yeah, you know, these guys know how to play. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I still feel like it's going to be a huge challenge. I know everybody will point to that. Oh, they haven't played anybody. I still think it's going to be a huge challenge for the Bucks offense. I hear you, especially at the quarterback, but I think if you look at receivers as well too, and say that the Patriots haven't really played against high intense caliber receivers like the True. like uh like the Bucks do. Like sure Jets have Davis, but they just double teamed him the whole time. That takes him out of the game. The Jets don't have anything else. Um I know Miami got Denzel Mims. What? <laughs> they don't want to play said, where's Denzel Mims? <laughs> they, they don't want to play him. Is it a lot more healthy or what? Uh he's questionable right now. We'll okay, see. All right. We're not talking about the Jets. Anyway, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's my but, I mean, just the overall the yeah. caliber of receivers. Don't have anybody. Right. Yeah, no one cares. Right. They're all gonna comment. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um, but right, what I was trying to say is just sure, it's one thing the quarterback play, and I mean Tom Brady against his old team coming off a loss, that's a whole other animal that the Patriots have to deal with. By the way, Tom Brady, four and one after a loss um, with the Bucs last season. So a pr- pretty, pretty good stat, I would say. It's crazy, though, because his numbers kind of fluctuate. You would think, oh, Tom Brady, after a loss, he's going to be pissed off and go crazy. Not necessarily the case. There have been some blowout games. But, for example, last year, they lost week one. They come back. They, they beat the Panthers at home. 
217 passing yards, one touchdown. Uh, the Packers blowout game. That was after they lost to the Bears. 166 yards and two touchdowns. Now that game was obviously it was a blowout. Brady didn't need to throw that much. Um, his probably his his two best games were um, at Carolina. That was the infamous Ronald Jones 99 yard touchdown. That game that we had 341 yards and three touchdowns. And then um, playing against Kansas City, they had lost the week before. He threw for 345 yards and three touchdowns. But after that, 196 and two touchdowns. So kind of like fluctuated a lot. You would think Brady, revenge, all the stuff dialed in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the game dictates itself. Um, yeah, the Minnesota But playing against the Patriots, I think it's, yeah. I think it's you know, right. just all out. Just yeah, the whole time. Well, here's the thing, Matt. If you want to place a bet maybe on uh, on Tom Brady's stat line, you can do it over on the Pick'em Games at Underdog Fantasy. On Underdog, you can select over or under on player stat lines. You can pick two correct. You control your money. You pick five correct, and you win 20 times the amount of money you enter with. It's simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download their app. Sign up with the code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, Sign up with that code Pewter, and they're going to give you free $10 to play with. You can make your first deposit, use the $10 that they give you, and you can enter, you can do a bunch of different things with it. You can do those pickums if you'd like to play with it. The other thing you can do right now is you can get involved in their best ball resurrection league right there on the main page, Underdog Fantasy. You can do it's a midseason NFL best ball tournament that's live on the site. 100 k in prizes, and 20K goes to first place. $20,000. You can have a chance to win for free. It makes sense oh, to do it, man. Use that promo code, Peter. You enter, you put, you have to deposit, but you just use the $10 to put an entry in. You can put more than one entry in, by the way, if you want more chances to win 20K. Um, but the scoring, it's going to start in week six. The tournament schedule matches best ball mania. And it's going to close, by the way, on the, on the uh, 14th of October. So go ahead and get in there. Be one of those entrants. Get yourself a chance to win $20,000. Use that promo code. Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R to enter underdog fantasy. Always have lots of fun stuff going on. There's so many games, by the way, over there. Go yeah. check them out and, and just really enjoy yourself at underdog fantasy. Bigger Earn says, there's our first sample size sighting. Yes, I did say sample size, Bigger Earn. Thank you for the $2 <laughs> super chat. Will you give $2 super chats every time I say sample size? Because I might say it a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. The case. Like uh, 50 um, times. You know. That's right. <laughs> Make a profit there. <laughs> yeah. So um, a bunch of people are saying Joe Tryon Shoyinka in the chat. Um, and uh, yes, he is going to be a major part of what I believe this game plan and you know game plans moving forward too because, again, pass rush juice is what this team is looking at. He can provide it, and I think he's going to be a huge part of the solution when they get this thing sorted. I bet over the next couple of weeks, you're gonna over the next month, you're going to see Joe Tryon Shoyinka jump into the rookie of the defensive rookie of the year conversation. I know there's not necessarily a lot of your names right now to contend with um like last year, but uh yeah he's he's in there. He's he's gonna be in there um for sure. Uh okay let's talk more about a little bit about the Bucks offensively in this one. You mentioned some good things. I'll just run through some stats really quick. 34.3 points per game for the Bucks right now tied for first some of those they did score twice on defense, so I mean they're yeah. still probably really far off. I always got to clarify that because I remember I was writing something about that. It was like, oh, they lead the league with forty nine, but it's like, oh, well, forty nine and a half. Yeah. But oh, wait, no, Mike. How Edwards, are we in twenty twenty one and we're still counting defensive scores when we look at offensive statistics? Like I, I don't we know. We can't just it's weed so, those out. Like 
I had to do the math myself of taking yeah. out um the yeah it, i don't know that doesn't none really of these make sites sense. do that it's just weird in fantasy football it's weird too defense scores against you twice and you had the if you had the falcons defense it, it crushed you in that you know we you know it's the it's worst like, though is if you're playing against someone's defense and um or no you like you you have a defense and the quarterback of that team throws a pick if it's a pick six yeah. it's like nothing against your defense but he gets, you know, he returns it to the one yard line. The other team rushes it in on the oh, next yeah. play. And your defense <laughs> loses points. It's it's so frustrating. But right, anyway, yeah, yeah. I digress. Yeah, there's lots of layers to it for sure. But anyway, uh, the Bucks offensively, yeah, they've been great. I mean, passing second in the league in terms of passing yards per game, uh, eighth in overall yards per game, despite the fact, despite the fact that they are 31st in rushing yards <laughs> per game. They, they are like bad in efficiency in terms of rushing, but not like, the worst in the league or anything they just literally just don't try to run that much and and frankly i applaud the lack of effort there um 16th in third down percentage though this is the one that gets me because they have four drops straight up drops on third down this year and because we're dealing with such small again i'm going to say it sample sizes if these passes had just been caught on those downs the bucks are like one of the best teams in the league on third down so just those four drops alone are killing them right there now you could also have to look at how many other teams have third down drops to make that fair? But suffice to say, 42% is kind of like a fine percentage. They would be exponentially better if they you know, caught a few more passes. They would be doing great on third down. Um, but it hasn't happened because the execution hasn't been there. Um, and New England, uh, you know, defensively actually is is kind of weak on third down. 20, uh, 41% is what they're giving up, 19th in the league. Not as weak as the Bucs, who are 29th in the NFL and third down percentage allowed defensively, but uh, still definitely a question mark there. Um, thought it was really interesting that a team quarterback by Tom Brady against a team coached by Bill Belichick, and they're both tied for 28th in the NFL in turnovers. I know it's only five, but we're early in the season and nobody's turned it over that much uh, other than the Jets. But um, they, yeah, pretty funny that the two <laughs> were tied given how much out, you know, obviously it's not their fault, but um, just part of the way the ball bounces when you're looking at three games. Um, you mentioned how the Patriots don't do hardly anything per play. Well, the Bucks are on the opposite side of that 6.2 yards per play, ninth best in the NFL. Um, and again, if not for the drops that they've dropped two deep balls this season, that number, those numbers would be a mm. uh, higher, you know, Brady this season, uh, a 50% in terms of adjusted completion percentage on the deep ball, 20 plus air yards, uh, this season, uh, third, most attempts, uh, deep ball attempts in the NFL this season for Brady, and completing them uh, at a higher percentage even than he did last year right now. So Brady is just kind of off the charts then. When you look at quarterback comparison, which is something I always do, Matt, it's just kind of like everything just dominant by Brady across the league, let alone compared to Mac Jones. But fourth best pro football focus grade against pressure this season. Uh, he's uh, second in big time throws um, with 12. He does not have a turnover worthy pass this season. Um, he's, so he's first in the NFL tied for first in that regard. Um, and then average time to throw, despite the fact that he's throwing the ball down the field at a rate that's higher than most of the rest of the league His average time to throw is the best in the league. He is holding onto the ball and getting rid of it faster than any other quarterback in the NFL through three weeks. Just if you're looking to compare Mac Jones is right around the middle of the league right now, tied for 14th. Um, so huge differences there, uh, in terms of the way that these teams operate, I think New England is one of the few teams that Tampa Bay will face, Matt, that will actually try to run the football this year against the Bucs because New England has the most versatile – up there with Shanahan as the most like versatile 
rushing scheme. There's not just one thing right. with New England outside zone, inside zone, split zone, wham, counter. Like they run everything. And so they think because of the volume in which you have to prepare that they can still be successful uh, running certain things at certain times against certain fronts and looks. And I think you'll see the Bucks actually face a fair amount of rushes from New England. I like Damien Harris too. They're running. Oh, I guess they're number one running back, yeah. but they, they do put guys in and out. I that would be very interesting to see. And I almost felt going to this game um, up until rewatching the the Patriots Saints game. I thought, all right, well, the, the Patriots are just they're going to have to run the ball no matter what, just because that's that's what they do. And then I watched the Patriots Saints game, and they really even when they were when the game was still somewhat even or they only down a score they didn't run it as much as i as i expected them mm. to um no one really wants to run the ball against this bucks defense but what are you, what are you going to do you can't you can't throw it with mac jones 50 times as bad as the bucks pass rush has been you you got to mix it up one way or another and I, I feel like New England is somewhat efficient when it comes to running the ball. They're they're not as good as years not, past, yeah, but right. ha- Harris is a fun guy to watch. He does a good job of getting to that second level and making a little something out of nothing. It's definitely something the Bucks have to game plan for. I I feel like too just watching the Bucks defense when it comes to running the ball. As teams try it so few, it, it they're almost mm-hmm. caught off guard when a team actually does try to do it. There were a couple times the Rams got five or six yards on a on a run play just because no one sees it coming and so it's almost like it's illegal to run the ball against the box so then when a team does it's like oh wait you could do that i completely forgot right for new england i'm sure it'll set everything else up for them and the key for them really i mean it's for every team but for new england again especially watching their last game um they just can't put mac jones in a third and ten situation or third and long yeah. like they it, it's it's the same for every team, but it's almost a necessity for New England mm-hmm. because right. anything more than third and seven, and it's it's not going to look yeah. pretty for them. Right. You you operate from a real position of strength if you're the box, and that's why running so much for New England you know, comes in so handy, actually. I want to look at their um, percentages in terms of rushing on first down and, and neutral situations in general because that could have uh, an effect on this game as well. But, yeah, I mean, early down pass rate for the Patriots is still, let's see, how high it is across the league. It's still b- above average. So they're still throwing the ball a good bit on first down. So they're with the analytics and they probably understand how that can be helpful to their run game, actually, to throw on first down, put them in better situations to be able to run the football successfully by getting into better second and third down, down and distances. So, yeah, I mean, they've converted third downs this season. They've honestly, this is the most bizarre stat of what I've found. And I haven't really spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to rectify it. Patriots have a more of their drives have ended in scores this season than the Bucks have. They haven't finished in the end zone this season, but the Patriots are scoring on almost 42% of their drives. That's 13th in the league. And the Bucks are scoring on just 40% of their drives. That's 16th. So again, the Bucks obviously, if they just stop shooting themselves in the foot, score on way more than, than that amount of their drives. And yeah. the Bucks have been so good in the red zone that they're still coming away with not even a close comparison in terms of points per game. But yeah, that is a big part of this, right, Matt? Is that like the Bucks' consistency shows up in that statistic? The Patriots, as bad as their offense is, are actually putting points on the board on a higher percentage of their drives right now. So if it, if it were to be a situation where New England, you know, rediscovers the fact that they're 
good defensively in the red zone, which they've been just very average this year, but mm-hmm. typically are almost always one of the better teams under Belichick, you know, then the Bucks could be in a field goal battle and they could, you know, then efficiency really matters, right? Cause you're trying to score on every drive. You know, we haven't really, the Bucks have attempted the, the tide for the least amount of field goals of any team in the league so far this season, because they've just, when they've got, when they've got it rolling, it's, it's a scored. touchdown, right? Problem is it's just been like so hit or miss because they'll drop passes and blow things, you know, that they should, they should, they should, the penalties have been a huge problem. They're most, most pre-snap penalties of any team in the league, New England in comparison, sixth least or the sixth best, I guess I should say. So um, that has been a huge difference between the two penalties has been massive. I mean, Belichick's teams yeah. obviously really good and the Bucks have just been terrible with penalties. It usually does regress back to the mean a little bit, but doesn't mean it has to happen in week four either. So we'll see how the Bucks treat that and how much more discipline they play. I definitely think you're going to see a sharp Brady in this game, Matt, but do you see a 400 yard Brady, a 350 yard Brady in this game, in your opinion? Part of me thinks, again, going back to the spike thing, that the Bucks put up 40 points and Brady just has everything and everyone figured out on, on the Patriots' defense. But it'd be crazy to say that he's going to score over 40 points. Yeah, I think he's going to be sharp. He's going to be on point. Um, Byron Leftwich was talking today about how if there's anyone that knows how to keep their emotions in check, it's Tom Brady. Obviously, this is a huge game, and we know the the magnitude of it all, but this is also a guy that's played in double-digit Super Bowls. So, yeah. obviously, he knows how to get it done in the big moment. What I really want to see from the Bucks offense in particular is you, you know the crowd's going to be insane. It's going to be a raucous crowd, the Brady love fest, the Gronk love fest, the booing of Antonio Brown because he is – He's returning to New England, but he also never played a home game for the Patriots. But anyway, um, I think it's going to be really important more than most weeks. If, if the Bucs get the ball on offense first, to obviously you want to score, Start but at fast, least to yeah. sustain a drive. In they played three games so far. In two out of their three games, they went three and out on the first drive. And yeah. last week against the Rams – they went three and out on their first two drives. So I think it's going to be really important to at least, even if you don't you know, score on your first drive, to at least move the ball a little bit, get the crowd into a little bit of a lull. Because you all know everyone's going crazy the first five minutes, and then the adrenaline wears off and people mm-hmm. get tired and, and you know, are drinking more and <laughs> stuff like that. And you just you can't scream for a full 48 minutes. So right. I think taking the crowd out of it, is going to be very effective than most weeks. I mean, even look at last week, but that first drive when they went three and out, they had a third and one, and Josh Wells uh, commits a false start penalty, makes it third and six, and they can't complete that pass. I'm not saying the crowd is uh, was a reason that he went off sides, but it, it's a chance that that's the reason why mm-hmm. he had the false start. Sure. I think this right. is huge for this game, more than most weeks. And on the flip side, if the Patriots get the ball first, that defense, again, take the crowd out right away, get them a three and out or maybe one first down. Um, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm all about just firing out of the gates, mm-hmm. and I think this one's more important than your typical regular season game for that. For sure. Speaking of things that are more important, what are the most important things people can do right now, Matt, is sign up for the Pewter Report Bowling League over at Pin Chasers. Tell the people about our friends over at Pin Chasers and the wonderful bowling food and fun that can happen there that's right pewter report bowling league is back 
Monday, October 11th, we're getting a lot of people signing up. So make sure you either uh, sign up on our Google Docs sheet or email me at matt at pewterreport.com and we'll get you signed up. We're going to be doing a, a raffle and a giveaway on uh, the first the first day of the, the bowling league. And I believe there's going to be some t-shirts involved too. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, we love Pin Chasers. They are a family-owned business that's been around for 60 years and they're huge Bucks fans. Going out for a night of bowling with your friends or your family, it, it, it's a great spot, a, an awesome environment. They have events going on literally every single day of the week. You got Tuesday night pizza bowl where it's all you can eat pizza for $11.99 after 9 p.m. They got unlimited bowl tonight on Thursday nights. Again, $11.99 after 9 p.m. And you can get Dollar Miller Lights too. Watch the Thursday night football game, enjoy some bowling, have some Miller Lights. Great food menu, too, at the 10-pin grill, burgers, sandwiches, fries, all that good stuff, and um, healthier options, too, with salads and breakfast food at any time. There's uh, multiple locations. They got one in East Pasco. They got one on Hillsborough Avenue. And they have one right down the road near the Bucks facility over on North Armenia Avenue. That is where the Peter Report Bowling League will take place. So make sure you sign up for the Peter Report Bowling League. Again, first night is Monday. October 11th starts at 6.30. A lot of fun to join this league. You get a free bowling ball at the end, and we can just go and talk some Bucks football while we bowl. So make sure you check out Pin Chasers. Go to their website, pinchasers.net, if you want to reserve a lane or book a party there. Yeah, absolutely. Check that out for sure. Yeah, uh, you were mentioning um, just some things about this matchup in terms of Oh, uh, Tampa Bay and and how they're going to maybe have to defend in this one against Mac Jones. And I, that part of the ball to me is where I think this game is honestly going to be won or lost for Tampa Bay. I, mm-hmm. It's not that I don't think the Bucks offense is going to play well or be good. You know, I just think this is not going to be a high scoring football game. Like, I, what's the over under on it? Do you know? I know you'll write about it for this weekend. It is lowest that the Bucks have been given this season. Last I checked, it was 49. Yeah, I. I I just, I mean, we're, we're getting to the point here where we're saying our final scores anyway, what we think it's going to be. I mean, I, I, I think the Bucks are going to win. This one was tough for me. I'm not going to lie. I will, I'll just ruin it right now for people. <laughs> Three weeks for sure. I'm picking the Bucks to win. Like without even a question, I will be stunned if they lose any of the next three weeks. I think they're just light years better than the next three teams. And I'm not sure the next three teams know what they're doing, to be honest. Like even the Dolphins defense hasn't been good. I know the bears don't know what they're doing. The Eagles don't know what they're doing yet for sure. Um, So that I have no questions about those three games, but this one is tough to me because I think the Patriots are very well coached. I don't think they get blown out. I think they always hang around. And if you are, if you beat yourself with mistakes, with penalties, with drops, things of that nature, the Patriots are as opportunistic as it gets, um, you know, whether they, they, you know, whether no matter what it looks like scoring defensively, special teams are good. You know, they just are one of those teams that I don't think you can come out sloppy against no matter how good you are. So that's what worries me with the box is are they, they haven't play played a clean game yet. Right. And this is going to be a more challenging game for Brady. It doesn't mean that he he's going to just suck in this game, but it'll be more challenging for him than any game he's played this season because the Patriots he's played this season they're going to play a ton of different stuff um there's no question about that and they're going to also they're they won't blitz them a ton so they're going to drop i bet i bet they drop eight more than 
he's seen at any other point this season. So if they play zone, there's going to be tighter windows. Everything's going to be more restricted. Um, he's going to have to be more selective and more patient. And so the, the Patriots don't give up big deep balls, you know, so it's, there's kind of a strength on strength here a little bit. And I think it's going to make things tougher. Now I will say this, the way that he solved a tough defense with the Rams do gives me a lot of encouragement. The Bucks have more answers than they've had in the past to different coverages, but I think this is going to be the one of the more challenging games for him because of how many things they give quarterbacks to think about and how many things they take away that a quarterback wants to go to Brady's patient and he'll, you know, decipher it out and make enough plays to probably win the game, I think. But I think it's going to be a, a big challenge. Even if the Patriots are a team that finishes with a losing record, I don't think they're going to be easy. Friend, look at last year. How many the Patriots were probably worse, definitely less talent last year. And they beat how many good teams last year? You know, they, they almost beat, they almost beat Kansas City last year, and Jared Stidham That's played exactly that right. Game too. Yeah, no. and they have more talent, especially in defense, than they had last year. You know, Gilmore, right? Yeah, half, half their defense like sat out for the, the COVID yeah. season, and they came right. back. And yeah, definitely more talent, better developed. Um, and no question. So. I think it's just one of those games you have to be on your details if you're going to win this game, if you're the Bucs. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy um, because if and if New England had a better option at quarterback or a more proven option, I, I would might be inclined to go with them. Before the season, I actually said, you know, I thought New England was going to win this game. But I say all that to say I do think the Bucks defense bounces back. This is a matchup that they can win. They can shut down that run game, force the Patriots to be a little bit more one-dimensional, get after Mac Jones enough to make him – feel uncomfortable early in the game. And I think they can reap the benefits of a couple of mistakes and, and kind of, I wouldn't say win the game, but have a big enough impact to win this game. 24 to 13 is my final score for this one. Oh, wow. 24, 13. Yeah. That, that is, is low, scoring. low scoring. Yeah. I, I don't see Belichick getting lit up. I know it's Brady and he's playing great, but this is not like a, you know, a thrown together ragtag defense. Like he's had no, some other years. Not. This is a good group. They've got really good players, and they can get pressure with four. They don't blitz a lot, and they can get pressure with four, and that's a recipe for success. Yeah, it's a fair point. I guess I'll give my prediction now if we're doing predictions. Well, first, before, let's draw out the drama of your prediction here. Oh. Let's talk about our friends over at Living Golf Life a little bit. Oh, Matt, yeah. We love Living Golf Life. If you are a golf fan, you will love livinggolflife.com, as you see on the screen right there. They are a website that designs golf brand apparel. They got hats, polos, glass mugs that you've seen me uh, drinking this water from. I know I'm not on the screen right now, but uh, glass mugs, koozies, everything else in between. Uh, they're a, a brand new company, really, that started in January of, of 2021. Uh, it was started by first, resta- first responders and uh, civilians in the, in the military as well. They're just all about the, the joy and the fun that golf brings. It's a lifestyle brand more than it is golf. It's all about just being in the outdoors, being with your friends and family, swinging away, getting some hacks, maybe getting a birdie or two, but just enjoying the elements and 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 the game of golf. Uh, it's great apparel to wear. John, you're wearing a backwards hat right now. That's right. Super comfortable clothing. I wear it all the time when I'm at practice at the Bucks facility. I drink from their glass mugs a lot, as you can see right here. So make sure you check out livinggolflife.com and get all of your golf apparel. If you're watching this, you probably live in Florida. So you're going to be golfing all year round. Even if you don't golf, it's just nice attire to wear for uh, you know for an right. evening out. So go to livinggolflife.com, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Amen. Big Earn, I just want John to believe in this team one time. One time, Big Earn. I am, <laughs> this is my record at picking Bucks games. I am what 20, 
I'm 23 and two now picking Bucks games. So they've obviously won most of those games. So I believed in them all those times, including in the Super Bowl when they were right. not favored whatsoever. And the Chiefs were probably one of the best teams we've ever seen that version of the Chiefs team. Statistically, they definitely were. I know they were missing some O-linemen, but yeah, I mean, I think I believed in them plenty and I picked them to win this game too. And somebody said, I basically picked a blowout. I don't, I don't feel like 23 or 24 to 13 is a huge blowout, you know, depending on when that last score comes, but I get what you're saying at the same time, Hezo. Yeah, I think that that final margin <laughs> will will be get extended a little bit. But yeah, I think most of the way this is going to be a pretty pretty close game. I think that the Bucks defense gives them a, a short field or two, and that helps. Similar to kind of the Saints game, if you remember in the playoffs, right, the block. Year, where, oh, you know sorry. they had 30 yeah. points, right? But it was you know they didn't it really, was yeah right. It was the like fumble, there was a ton the, of short field. Jared Cook, the Jared Cook fumble yeah. changed everything. Yeah, you'd have to have not watched the game to give the Bucks offense credit for that right. one for the most part. They yeah. made some plays for sure when they had to, but most of that most of that game was won by defense being opportunistic. I think the Bucks defense is going to be very pissed off for this game, and I think exactly, that's and that's pretty much what I'm getting at here. Is you know they 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 hear the noise, they hear about that they're not getting sacks, they hear about how they're last in the league and in uh, allowing passing yards and yeah, Richard Sherman being here is great, but if the secondary was playing better, maybe they don't resign him. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, at least for the guys in the secondary for that. There's no way Tom Brady is losing this game. Maybe it's not a revenge game, but it's, it's probably going to be the most watched regular season football game that the NFL has ever seen. It'll be fun. I mean, think about it. The the storylines, the drama, Prime time. I wonder. I'll be curious to see if, you know, if the Patriots were like, because it, or not, I bet we're never be. going to be in this situation again where it's a yeah. guy that's won multiple Super Bowls, leaves a team, goes to another years. team, wins a Super Bowl, and he's playing against his old, yeah, 20 years yeah. and playing against his old team. It's just unheard of. And we probably won't see that ever again. Right. I don't that's see true. Brady losing this game. He's played against this Patriots defense in practice and just seen them for years and years and years. He understands them. I know they're going to throw things that he hasn't had. I think the addition or the uh, what's whatever getting Antonio Brown back is uh, is going to help a lot. The re addition, Spe- yeah, the re addition <laughs> of uh, I was going to say yeah. reemergence, but it's like yeah, he's not really like he's already I back. Not yeah. Anyway, I think having him back will especially be important. Like if you were just talking about if the Patriots are going to drop a lot of guys back. Even if you're in zone, there's only so many times that you can handle having those three receivers on the field at the same time. It doesn't matter in the run game for the Bucs. It, it just won't for a while. That'll be an issue down the road. But I think Brady, yeah. you know, is, is able Brown's wide receiver to start this week. I feel yeah. strong about it. Strong exactly. about it, Matt. Exactly. He's got strong a little chip on his shoulder, too. Right. Belichick uh, so, will not let your your volume guy beat you. That's kind of his thing. So Chris Godwin's going to see more attention in this game than he probably will see all mm-hmm. season long. And you have, you know, just in general, the way that they play, take away a lot of the deep balls to Mike Evans. I think this is an Antonio Brown game all the way. I would I would start him in every league you got him. There you go. Right. Go so I think Here's the offense will be capable enough to, to move the ball down the field and put up points. Maybe they don't reach 30 on their own, but it, like we were just talking about, I see a big turnover by the secondary or the pass rush finally showing up and taking over parts of the game. I don't want to say the whole game, but putting their imprint on a game, which they haven't been able to do yet besides the Mike Edwards pick sixes, but really making a big play that sets the Bucks up with good field position. 
and lets the Bucks put it away. So I think Tampa Bay wins this one in Tom Brady's return to New England. They win 30 to 20 Bucks over the Patriots mm, and the overheads. There you go. Wow. And the, and the overheads. Okay. I see, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see a little sneak peek into betting the Bucks coming up this weekend. Yep. Matt's going, Matt's taking me over once again. That'd be the fourth time this year, right? You've taken it. Every yeah. Week? The three, and oh, yep. and they've hit it every single hey, time. That's true. So. Good point. All right. Uh, so it, by the way, speaking of game day, that's the next time you'll see us in the pewter pregame show. Yeah. We'll be live at six 30 from whiskey wings in temple terrace. J.C. Allen, Casey Hudson coming at you. We'll all be on there, though. We'll all jump in. You'll see everybody on the pregame show, and we'll have a great time with the Whiskey Wings and Temple Terrace. Come on out. Live show is going to be out there. We're going to have giveaways with shirts, hats, all kinds of stuff at Whiskey Wings. We're going to have all of it laid out on the tables there. Come out. Watch the pregame show live. The facility there is unbelievable. You've got outdoor bar and indoor bar, screens all over the place. Um, everything's just – it's really, honestly, one of the – just a great sports bar and grill great spot to watch the game uh so come on out to uh, whiskey wings and temple terrace say hi to the pewter report crew watch the game there uh with the buck with other bucks faithful and enjoy seeing one of the regular season games uh of the decade really um that is uh, and do it out at whiskey wings where you're going to just have great time and great food and, and plenty to drink as well so uh check us out there and for the pregame show that'll be at 6 30 we'll start the pregame show the pregame show will run 6 30 to 8 and paul atwell and i or sorry not paul atwell mark schofield and i hey yeah man. he'll be back and we'll be on the pregame or on the in-game live stream we'll be with you throughout the whole game breaking everything down mark knows belichick and brady's a group of patriots fan he's a call, former college quarterback he knows them as well as anybody and so he knows both these guys and has studied everything they've done for their entire careers basically and so uh having his insight on the show is going to be a blast and you know, obviously he's as a patriots fan who loves brady is going to be kind of in this thing uh, <laughs> emotionally yeah. so it'll be a blast on the in-game live stream so spread the word tell friends and family let everybody know that they can uh they, they can watch peter report tv but you got to subscribe subscribe to peter report tv down uh make sure that you're hit the bell for the notifications for when we go live and you don't miss a second of the action with the peter report crew all right for matt matera i'm john ledyard thanks so much for jumping in here for another edition of the pewter report podcast out hey john happy international podcast day out wow